You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 39. One of my favorite things, I guess I was surprised after I kind of came to, and the first thing that I said when I was talking again. Give me food. No. <laughs> was, I could do that again. Because I, I, again. I wanted everyone to you know. You said it like this. I could do that I again. I could do that again. That uh, was the first thing I said after having a baby. Um, but I think because you don't know as a first-time mom, how you manage pain, how you know that you've overcome, you know, these obstacles or these fears that you have rolling around in your brain. And then to just know the power that you have. I mean, that's, it's one of my favorite things in the world. And I'm, and I truly say this, like I would give birth over and over and over again if I didn't have to raise all the babies afterwards. And welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC Childbirth Education and Labor Support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Okay, friends, this is the last episode of the season. I can't believe this is our 39th episode. After today, we'll be going on hiatus for the summer, but we'll continue to record interviews while we're on break. So please do still reach out if you're interested in sharing your birth story or fertility journey story for the podcast. We'd also love to hear from you with ideas of what you'd like to hear in future seasons. We're considering not only birth and fertility stories, but might branch into interviewing perinatal professionals of various sorts. So please feel free to reach out to us on social media or email us at podcast at birthmattersnyc.com to let us know what you want to hear. Before we jump into our final birth story for season one, I just wanted to ask for those expecting a baby in the next few months, have you registered for a birth class yet? If not, Birth Matters continues to teach live, interactive, virtual, group, and private classes, which have gotten super positive reviews on Yelp. So you can get a thorough education wherever you are from the comfort of your couch. We don't ever want cost to keep someone from getting essential education, so please know that we're happy to work with you on price if cost is a barrier in these challenging times. We're also continuing to offer a huge discount on our online on-demand course for a limited time. You can check out all the options to get equipped and ready for your most ideal journey into parenthood over at birthmattersnyc.com. Today, you get a two-for-one, two home birth stories in one episode, and they're shared by the dear friends of the couple from the last story whom Sarah mentioned. I thought that it would be a good time to share another very different home birth story or two given the big increase in interest in home births in these times of the pandemic. And rightly so. For a healthy pregnancy, giving birth outside the hospital is much more likely to lead to a healthy, no-to-low-intervention physiologic birth. So about today's stories, the day before Nora's and Michael's firstborn's fourth birthday, and about a week before their secondborn turns one, they share both of their stories of uncomplicated births at home. Listen to hear details of thoughtfully choosing the birth location and birth team that would be most likely to honor their hopes to have a peaceful and physiological birth both times. You'll hear the benefits of prenatal physical training through the lens of Michael's expertise as a personal perinatal trainer, 
They'll both share the specific benefits of hiring a doula for both births and will advise listeners to think carefully about what family members or others you'll invite to be present for your labor through the tense dynamics they experienced the second time around. I do want to mention that this was recorded at the end of January, way before the whole pandemic and sheltering in things started happening. So please know that when certain things come up, such as classes they both teach, that some of what they do has moved online for the time being until it's safe to return to in-person classes. Okay, let's get started with our season one finale. Welcome to the Birth Matters Podcast. Today, I have some of my favorite people on the earth. I have Nora and Michael. Welcome, you guys. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. I'm so excited to have you here today to share two birth stories. And it's such a special week to have you here because your firstborn price turns four tomorrow, right? And then yes. Finley turns one just a week later. Exactly a week later. Yep. Yes. The first so and the eighth. What a nice way to celebrate. Thanks for letting me be part of the celebration. Absolutely. You yeah. are you know, and still are a very large part of their stories. So and Michael now these days is our kids' taekwondo teacher. So they'll actually be coming to class tomorrow and we'll also be able to celebrate Price's birthday. Yay. That's wonderful. So uh, beyond taekwondo instruction, you guys want to share what you do for a living? Sure. Or the various um, things? Yes. We, we are both actors, which means we both have multiple other uh, passions and jobs that help pay the bills while we are pursuing our main passion of performing and creating. When I'm not acting, I am a personal trainer and I have 13 years of personal training experience in New York City. Uh, I've trained everyone from uh, the severely obese to high-performance elite athletes. Yes, that's right. Our daughter, Finley, is right here with us, so you may hear her interject as well. Um, uh, I have specialties in pre- and postnatal training as well. So I've come and I've done a workshop for Lisa in the past. Uh, obviously, I trained uh, Nora as much as she wanted <laughs> during her pregnancies. And then I've helped four other women uh, go through their pregnancies. That's right, Finley. That's right. <laughs> through their pregnancies and then postnatally after, get them back down to their starting size and regain the muscular strength that they had previously. Uh, in addition to that, as Lisa said, I am also a martial arts instructor. I've been teaching Taekwondo uh, since I was 16. Um, and I now have a full uh, Taekwondo Academy in New York called Eisenstein's Academy. And I'm also a fight choreographer. So I take that martial arts experience and I mix it with my love of the stage. And uh, I am the resident fight choreographer at Brooklyn High School of the Arts and have done fight choreography for several small independent uh, theater companies around New York. And that's enough about me. Hi, this is Nora, and I am also an actor. Um, actually, Michael and I met acting on set in a very weird movie in a castle. Um, but when um, we are not acting and performing and creating, I'm also a costume designer, and I have a specialty in wig making. Yeah. And um, so actually during my pregnancy with Finley, I was the, the wig mistress on Smokey Joe's Off-Broadway, and I do quick changes. Currently, right now, um, I get the awesome job of being the program lead at the Family Experience Store called Camp, 
on Fifth Avenue and 16th Street. So I help with all the programming there. I help develop classes for babies. And I also get to teach our baby class called Jump, Dance, and Wiggle with Counselor Nora on Tuesday mornings at 10.15. So if you have littles and you want them to move and wiggle and have an amazing sensory experience, um, you can bring them into to camp and, and be happy to have your babies there. Is that a permanent place? Yes. So it's unclear on, okay. Yeah, we are, um, we are the flagship location and we've been there for just over a year. Um, and I'm very excited that I get to work with friends from, from the past from doing improv. Um, and that's just a really, really fun place. I get to craft, I get to act, I get to help develop shows. It's a little bit of everything that I love to do. And, uh, I also have a passion for helping people use good products. So I also have a nutrition and skincare uh, connection as well. Um, So, you know, it's the New York City performer life of a little bit of everything. But I think that's why we love living here in New York is that we get to do a little bit of everything that we love. (laughs) The baby is dancing and singing as well. (laughs) (laughs) And the nutrition and skincare uh, line that she's referring to is Arbonne. And I am an avid fan (laughs) of Arbonne products. So, and you, I, that's part of your birth story is one of their, at least one of their oils, right? So it may come up and I'll be sure to link to how they can connect with those products if you want um, in the show notes. Absolutely. And because it's a vegan company and we tend to live a plant-based life, it was really instrumental in my pregnancies with both the kids and their using their protein powder and making sure that, that I was getting enough protein when I was pregnant with my babies. And still, and now they're obsessed with the protein. They too, <laughs> little people yeah. love the protein bars and protein shakes. Michael, how, if people are interested in doing prenatal or postpartum postnatal training with you, how can they find you? Uh, directly through my email. That's the best way, It's which is Eisenstein, my last name, E-I-S-E-N-S-T-E-I-N dot Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L at gmail.com. Uh, if they're interested in Taekwondo, um, I teach Saturday mornings from 1030 to 1130 and you can email Eisensteins, E-I-S-E-N-S-T-E-I-N-S academy at gmail.com. Uh, and I'll add you to the email list for that. Wonderful. Thank you. And he is a fabulous instructor for Taekwondo. And I've heard also wonderful things about your personal training. So everybody run to him if you're wanting one of those things or both of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Well, I wanted to ask you. How did you choose to give birth at home? Twice. Yes, twice. <laughs> um, well, there's a, there's a couple different things that really led us to that decision. One of the main, um, the first kind of intro to home birth or even the idea of home birth is actually from our dear friend, Sarah, who just um, was on your show right before us um, last week. We have we've known each other for a very long time. We did theater together in Montana, Sarah and I did. And at one point in our, in our friendship, I convinced her to move to New York city and she happened to live down the street from us in Astoria. And one night Michael and I were out on a date night and we just happened to be walking by her and Chris's apartment actually. 
And I said, doesn't, doesn't Sarah live here? I don't know. Let's see if she's home. And we buzzed and she was home by herself. And she, she was like, sure, come on up. And she had paused her Netflix and it happened to be the documentary, the business of being born. And she was like, actually, Nora, I think that you would really like this. You should check it out. It's so interesting. It's so fantastic. And at that point, I think all of us were unmarried. I don't think any of us were married at that point, but we were, we're together with our partners and we were both babysitters here in the city. And so we had lots of, um, we had lots of interest in babies. And I think we all knew we were kind of headed that direction of getting married and wanting to have babies. Well, and that was something that you and I had always talked about. Yes. I think from our second date, you and I got on the same, made sure we were on the same page about the importance of us having a family and the importance of, of that um, in our decision in looking for a partner. And so whether or not we were going to have kids was never the issue we always knew that that was going to be a part of our lives um, and something that was, we were making a very conscious decision about. Um, and so really we had never thought about the how. <laughs> right. And so we did, we like, she was, she paused it. We didn't watch it with her, but I think it was that week that we ended up watching. We were really into watching documentaries at the time. And so we watched the business Still. of being born and we were just blown away by the things that we didn't know or understand that go on in America with birthing. And so it really put us on this path of researching um, our options. And I have always had a huge fear of doctors um, and needles. And um, I, I think there's, there's a reason though. I think it's because I, I can feel that the, uh, many, many times people are not treated as people in the hospital situation. And I think, yeah, as a person who loves helping mothers and who was a babysitter, I wanted to be a person and I wanted to have a voice and, and I wanted to have choice in the way that I wanted to birth. And so that was always like in my mindset, we, well, well, hold on, not, hold on, hold on. Cause originally, well, I, before we had watched the documentary, the few conversations we had had, you were like, for someone who hates needles, give me the epidural. I don't want to feel a thing. Uh, let's, you know, like sign me up. Like, let's let me know when it's over. That was prior to us watching this documentary, which then led us down an in intense research path that changed everything. Um, so, and I think that the give me the epidural. I don't want to feel a thing. Birth is scary. Is the for lack of a better term, norm of what people who haven't done the research or taken the time or no, you know, talk to someone else. Uh, I think that would probably be the, the average thought when, when, when approaching birth without doing the research prior to. Yeah. Which makes sense because in our culture, pain is bad. Yes. So why wouldn't we want to avoid pain? You know, exactly. even if you um, hate needles. But yeah, the pain, yeah. The pain of birth is is worse than my fear of needles. Therefore, give me the epidural. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was before we ever were close to having a baby or right. anything. And then like in a few passing comments. So yeah. once it became more of a reality of like, oh, one day we actually do want to have babies. And then really taking time to sit and think about those options. Um, I then went back to, oh, my mom had two natural births at a birthing center. Um, with no epidural 
and um, my dad caught me. And so really just in taking time then to like think about, oh, well, my knowing my mom, like my mom did this, she and and she have has a very positive story about both of her births. Um, and then what happened is I was babysitting for, I think around the time we were engaged, um, I was babysitting for a family of two and she was pregnant with her second. And right after her second, <laughs> our baby's nursing and humming while we're telling this story, right after her, right kind of leading up to her, the birth of her second, um, she was like, yeah, I'm going in for a scheduled C-section because it fits in my husband's schedule. And I understand everybody has to make choices for themselves, but she, it didn't feel like she, it was her choice. And I had become very close to her and very dear. And it, it was really concerning and it started just weighing on me. And I was really worried about her. And I wanted to make sure she had enough help. And then I was out at another house babysitting. And at midnight, I got a call from her husband right after the baby had been born. And she's, they, they were like, we need help. We can't get a hold of anybody. We have to go to the emergency room. And this was after she'd already had her C-section basically her heart like was murmuring and it was it something was going on and they didn't know and so they needed someone to be at home with their toddler and i didn't realize at the time as i was like in a cab up to their house i stayed the night with their brand new baby who was like two days old because she had to go to the emergency room and when she called her doctor the doctor said oh i'm sorry you need to go to the emergency room that's not my problem anymore and I had this moment of like, that seems wrong. Like, I feel like the person who cut you open should be in charge of what is happening to your body two days after that, that hope. And so that really going through that experience with her, hearing her story, being really ultimately being a, a doula for her in that moment of like helping her get dressed and out the really door and not really knowing, was. yeah, I didn't know, but being a postpartum doula, and being there and staying that night with those those babies and really helping her recover and you know she said i would never use that that doctor again if i could do things over again i would do it different and that's when i went on my our path together of reading everything we could get our hands on really doing our research and so that when we did get pregnant um with our our first with price it was it became this exciting like search of whether we wanted to, we looked into the birth center in Brooklyn and I, I, we never went on a tour and then I just you know I just had a feeling that that I wanted to look into home birth as well look at all of our options and luckily enough we looked I just I think I googled New York City home birth midwives and was well, directed and to our wonderful Can I jump in jump yeah. in real quick because you, you touched a little bit on your knowing your own personal birth story. And, and I remember, I believe when we were taking Lisa's class, you mentioned just how few people our age actually know of their own birth story, just because one of the main issues in this country is birth is not talked about, which is one of the reasons why this podcast is amazing. Anyway, uh, back to the point. I actually do know my birth story and it's been something that, that my mom has passed on to me uh, and I am still to this day in touch with my midwife, the woman who caught me. And she <gasps> That's was so always cool. kind of like, it is, it's very, and she's, she's kind of like, uh, an extra grandma in, in many ways, uh, to me. And, um, <laughs> uh, 
Um, so the fact that I've <laughs> grown up my entire life knowing that I have a midwife and I was very, she, you know, she's my midwife. She, she caught me. And that was something that I was always very, uh, felt very strongly about. I, when we did get pregnant, I was like, well, we're going to have a midwife because we'll be just like, that's what you, that's what you do. And they're amazing people, you know? Um, and I want that for my kids. I wasn't necessarily, uh, saying that I wanted a home birth. And I, I would just want to make the point that you can absolutely have a midwife as part of your birth team, even if you don't do a home birth. Um, they can be active parts of your birth experience, even if you are uh, giving birth with a um, OBGYN in a uh, in a hospital. They can be, depending on I mean, depending on the admission and setting things up like that. But they can be. If you want a midwife to be a part of your team, that can happen. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. Cause a lot of people aren't aware that, that some midwives do work in a hospital setting. Um, and so we, I Googled, uh, New York city midwives and the first site that really like popped up and like caught my eye, um, was midwifery care NYC with, with, uh, Carol Booth and Cheryl Laporte, Carol and Cher. And, I, it was funny because I was like, oh, their website. I love their website. And you can go on their website and read birth stories of all of their clients. They have amazing resources there. And in one of the birth stories, we actually found friends of ours. And so it was great. We read and I, I was like, oh, well, that's so amazing. Like our, our friends had a home birth with them. So like we felt more connected to them. And then we, we kind of like went away from we went- that a, a little. Well, we, we were about to leave for Alaska um to teach for five, five weeks. weeks three weeks, three weeks <clears throat> it was our second time so it was five weeks we were gone for a very long time it was our second time in alaska. Oh, okay. okay um we were teaching in alaska we were teaching stage combat and partner acro, partner acro and, circus and, and, and circus and all these fun classes and um so anyway we were like well we have to find somebody and interview somebody but like from Alaska, like, can we do this? So we called, we ended up calling them. We did our interview with them over the phone. We just fell in love with them. We hit, like, we just had such, such great vibes and they were like, awesome. You know, keep taking your prenatals and we'll see you when you get home from Alaska. Um, and so we, we got home and I think we were, we had got, I basically did my whole first trimester, uh, teaching in Alaska, pretending I wasn't pregnant, you know, for, to a whole staff. I think some of my students caught on. They were like, Nora is drinking ginger ale at eight o'clock in the morning. And, um, that, I know that's getting more into sleeping, our pregnancy, sleeping. sleeping all the time. All of our like, fellow break? teachers were like, Nora's like not going out as much as she was last year and she's not drinking all but the coffee. But to your credit, you climbed she... to the top of a mountain as I well. did. And I, ran, so, and I like, ran a 5K. And you did run a 5K. <laughs> so, I mean. So there's all of those things. We still did those things. <laughs> so you landed on home birth and then you also hired a doula, right? Absolutely. Yeah, was so that we... later on in the pregnancy or how did that come about? We did. Um, I think it was in our second trimester. Um, we knew about doulas and they highly recommended working with a, a doula and having a doula for a home birth. Um, so we always knew that was going to be part of our, our plan. And we, um, our first doula for prize was wonderful Laura, who's also a birth photographer. 
um, and she took the beautiful photos Hi. and she just was the perfect fit for that us birth. and same thing for that birth and and um, we connected with her and she was fantastic and she's the one that actually uh, recommended taking Lisa's birth class. So we are very grateful that she recommended um, Lisa because we're so grateful to have you in so our life ways. in so many ways. But um, I, I'd love to jump in there and talk to any of the dads that are listening because while having the doula is incredibly important for so many reasons uh, as, as an uh, advocate for the mother, they're also there to advocate for you, the father. Uh, and there were so many times during the birth, and, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, um, where, you know, she'd look at me and she'd say, Michael, go eat something. I got this. You can take a break. And just knowing that that person was there and, and I could step away from Nora for five minutes and, and eat something or, you know, go to the bathroom myself or, you know, take a, a 10 minute nap. Those knowing that there was someone there whose sole objective was to make sure that Nora was okay uh, and had everything that she needed allowed me to then be uh, more effective for Nora. Um, and so, yes, the, the duels are absolutely incredible as a non-medical advocate for the mother. Um, they are also there to help support the fathers as well. And birth partners. And birth partners. Yes. Thank you. Not just, not just fathers, but birth partners. So. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out because a lot of people, a lot of partners feel like, oh, I don't want to be replaced and you know, the doula is going to come in and take over, but they're going to do that only if that's what the partner wants and the laboring person wants, you know, not if you have a, an involved partner who really wants to be supportive. They're there to fit in as a puzzle piece to whatever you guys want. So thanks so much for mentioning that important point. Yeah. Great. So any other things that you did for preparing for this entry into parenthood and for labor and birth? I know that Michael, you mentioned doing some training, some physical training with Nora yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were definitely much more during Price's pregnancy than Finley's pregnancy, but during, absolutely during Price's uh, pregnancy, um, I would train to- Nora. Um, we used to do, um, like really being conscious of like sitting up straight and doing a lot of ab work and like really making sure that my core still felt really strong so that when it comes to pushing, uh, it's, you're ready. And so we used to, we used to call it the magic trick. We'd be like, hug the baby. And so, <laughs> so it's it. And, and just being really conscious of like taking those times and just to like check in, you know, with my body. And then, you know, we did tons of reading of other birth stories. Ina May, of course, is our favorite. And we watched documentaries. There was a great book called Husband Birth, uh, Husband. Husband Coached Birth. Oh, I'm messing up the title. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the name is the Bradley Method. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I got a lot out of that book. Um, and really, because I, I knew I wanted to be a very active part of the birth. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, be sitting in this waiting room smoking a cigar. Um, but uh, um, I wanted to be there. And, and you know, Nora had obviously shared her birth story and the fact that her dad caught her was such an important, amazing moment for her. I wanted to be able to tell my kids, you know, I was, I was the one who was there and, and caught me. Even though I wouldn't let go of Michael. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Don't give it away yet. <laughs> um, 
Can I come back real quick to the core strengthening? Because mm, I think yes. that's something that's a little lesser known for, um, for expectant parents or people listening. When you're in the pushing stage, your uterus is doing the vast majority of the squeezing baby down and out. But there are the deep transverse muscles. And Michael, you can speak to this more eloquently and, uh, you know, more uh, expertly than I can, but like of just that's also squeezing the baby down and out. And to have that kind of coordination and strength is really valuable. That said, it's really important to work with someone who knows, like if you're hiring a trainer, you need to work with someone like Michael or someone who is expert. And um, I guess, do you have to be certified in that? No, I, no I'm, okay. not, I'm not cert. I, I took a, so I'm certified as a, as a personal trainer and any uh, good certification for personal training will require you to continually renew it. And by doing that, they have you do continuing education. So I took, I've taken, uh, I've done it twice now, uh, the continuing education for pre and postnatal training through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Um, and so, you know, that was really, it's really important to know at each stage of the pregnancy, which exercises you can do and which exercises you should no longer do on mm -hmm. every pregnancy is different and you may feel wonderful, you know, all the way through, or you may um, have a special condition where you can't raise your blood pressure above a certain level. You know, you may have diastasis, you may not, you know, uh, and if you do, there are certain core activities that you can do to combat that. You won't be able to get rid of it because of the condition itself, but uh, doing these certain activities will absolutely uh, help the recovery process and help you be able to close that gap much sooner. All right. So feel free to jump into your birth story, your first one. Yeah. So with Price, um, we, we were due with him, due, I say that with quotes around that highly, um, but around the time of January 20th, um, and I, I knew that we would probably go late like all of the research that I had done. And I just, I had a feeling and I was just, I wanted to prepare myself for that waiting time. Um, so, so I wouldn't be like going stir crazy. And so I was very like, it, we finally, I think it was like on his, on his due date. I think I was like out walking around Manhattan, like going to Starbucks to get a decaf coffee and people finally were like, Oh, when are you due? And I was like, today. <laughs> um, but I was like, I just knew I was like, I'm fine. And then, you know, uh, so I, I did a lot of walking around, um, as much as I could all bundled up. We had a huge snowstorm that was coming. Bringer of snow. And so a lot of people were very concerned that we were going to be stuck in our apartment. Well, with how, are gonna, how are you going to get to the hospital with all the snow? Oh. We were like, it, we don't have to go anywhere. We just have to get the midwives to us. So as long as they can get to us, we're good. Um, and so we waited and we waited. Um, and Price decided at... Uh, what we were at 41 weeks and five, five days, <laughs> we, we had to go in for extra ultrasounds just to make sure fluids were all great. He was fine. Heartbeat was strong. And I was, we had to make another one. Cause at that point it was like every three days they wanted me to go get checked. Um, and the place that took our insurance was way out near Coney Island and we live in Astoria. 
And I basically was like, we had a midwife appointment and Carol came over and I was like, I do not want to get in a car and go out to Brooklyn. So she was like, I was hoping you would say that. Are you open to doing castor oil? Because we knew at that point, already we, swiped, already swiped we'd already membranes. swiped my membranes three days before. She we, did it again. Um, I basically was dilated to three um, at that point. So I kind of like walked around for a week slowly just slowly dilating so it was working but my body was just doing it nice and slow um but if you hit 42 weeks they're no longer allowed to do a home so that's just something to keep in mind if you do hit 42 then so we were we didn't we didn't want to we were doing everything i was bouncing on a ball i was eating dates i took my my uh we were, primrose. we were having sex we were doing everything that we could to get this baby to come i mean i i took these long epic walks um and so uh oh let's not play oh. with this loud thing okay um and so i did we, we finally decided that we should do we should take castor oil um, and I was really confident in that and it was up to me you know but uh, carol was very she was like, great. I'm glad that's what you want to do because that's what I'm going to suggest. And so we walked up down to our little uh, corner store Lo pharmacy, local pharmacy, local pharmacy. And I walk in and I like, hi, I need to get some uh, castor oil. And the and guy goes, you can't take that. You're going to take that right now. And I was like, well, not here in the pharmacy. Like I'm going to buy it. And then I'm going to take it home. Um, and he was like, but you're pregnant. And the you lady, the, he, you can't do that. And the lady who was ringing up, she goes, oh, don't, don't mind him here. Let, she's like, let me just make sure it's not expired. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, this is prescribed by our midwives. Like we're, we're safe. And so we're doing she, this on purpose. <laughs> we took it with Carol while she was there. She swept my membranes for, I believe it was the second time that we had my membranes swept and then mix it with orange mix juice. it with orange juice shot it down it wasn't too bad at all start working in 18 minutes no yeah it was like eight, 20 minutes like, from do you remember do you remember oh. how much they had you put into the orange juice i think it was just like three small bottle it was it wasn't the whole bottle though. it's usually it was, like two to four tablespoons is usually yeah. the recommendation I think it was like three tablespoons mixed in with an or with orange juice and then they just told me like shoot it down and so we, I took that and, and sure enough, like 20, 20 minutes later, I started feeling contractions. And so we texted her and she was like, great, just like, keep me, let me know what's going on. And so I, I hadn't slept very well that night before. You were also working on a wig. I was all right. I was building these wigs. Um, since four years ago, all these new details, I was building these wigs for this woman named Crystal. And so I was on a deadline for this photo shoot for these wigs and she knew she hired me understanding that I'd be home waiting for this baby. <laughs> but I was like, I gotta get these done. And so I was like, had been building all, I've been sewing all these wigs on my bouncy ball, on my workout ball. And, um, and so I was like, you know what? I know this, this might be a long process and I stayed up late working on these wigs. So I was like, I'm just going to take a nap. And so I, I remember like laying down on our, our futon in our front room, and like every once in a while, I'd like wake up and have a contraction and Michael would time it. And I'd be like, okay, you know, I was still talking at this point. Um, it's so funny. Cause knowing what I know now, like I had no, you did, I didn't even be timing these. Not at this point. At that point they were far. I mean, they were like maybe 10 minutes apart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I was like taking a nap in between these. And then I kind of got up and, um, 
and I would work on the wig a little bit. Like sometimes I would like be stitching the wig and then it'd be like, Ooh, contraction coming. And then Michael would come over and take the scissors out of my hands. <laughs> and, um, and so we take Not a bad idea. Yeah. I take the scissors out of my hand. I'd like have a contraction and then I go back. And so then like, sure enough, like probably four hours into this, like taking castor oil will just make you poop everything out clear and out. so clear it out, out. just gonna so, clear it all uh, out for those of you who don't know castor oil works on what's called smooth muscle which is your intestines and your uterus um and so it it causes uh your bowels to be completely released which is one of the main uses for it which is why i think the one of the reasons the guy was in the pharmacy was so concerned that we were going to take it anyway and, and because then it can start labor, which is exactly what we were trying to do. So it worked for us. So I spent a lot of time laboring on the toilet for this birth, which is actually a fantastic place to be. And I, and I've always felt really good in the bathroom. And so I had my affirmations up in the bathroom because I knew I'd probably spend a lot of time there. Your affirmations. What are those, Nora? Oh, my affirmations. Um, so I had things written out that said, um, fear. What, what was no, I have to think about these. I think I have pictures of them. I can't remember the ones I had actually for. I have a picture of them. Some of them are in your story. Fear and doubt, I reject you. I am strong and peacefully surrendering. I am calm and trusting. I breathe you into the world. There's two more. I am open and letting my body lead. I sing through contractions and dance away pain. I love those. And these were written out and cut out and then pasted all over the bathroom. Yeah. So we had them all, all ready to go. Um, and they were fantastic. So I we spent a lot of our time just laboring together at home and with music on. And I knew I wanted to, to have music. We had a lot of Celtic music, and which at one point, Michael, I didn't make a playlist for this one, but I hit, we just put it on YouTube. And so at one point, it just kept playing like whatever was on and like Christmas music at one point turned on. And um, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but our doula did come over in the afternoon to start helping us labor and just be there with like some counter pressure. Um, I really did not want to eat. I was not I'm hungry. Not, yeah. Um, no, but what was great was when Laura came over, you were sitting on the toilet, toilet. And, and that was the first time you started to cry. Oh yeah. I, I didn't really cry, but I, I had this moment of like, I had a, a pretty tough contraction. They were starting to get tougher to get through. And, um, I remember just her presence being there of this comfort that like this woman was going to come and like, just hold me. And she gave me this big hug and she was like, it's okay. I'm here. And I couldn't really talk to her at that point, but I just remember thinking like crying and being so grateful that she was there and crying into her shoulder and then while thinking pooping. while pooping and thinking, what a weird way to invite someone into your house. <laughs> just like me just pooping into a bed, like being so grateful at the same time that she was there to hold me and tell me that it was okay. And then to let it go. And one of the best things Laura told me, and I've used this in both of my births, well, she said, remember to melt after. after the contraction is gone. Don't hold on. Whatever you felt, just let it go because it's gone, you know? And I think that's the big thing that no one really talks about in birth is that it's not, you're not going to be in constant, what we call pain or discomfort 
the entire time. You just have to ride the waves. They just come in these little 45 second minute waves. And if you can get through those waves, then let it go. Don't hold on to it. It's such an amazing life lesson anyway. Just get through it and then let it go. Um, and so I was really good. I took those words very seriously. And so I would just melt. I would just melt in between. I remember melting into her, melting into to Michael. And so we, when she got there, I mean, I, I walked around the house. I now, I, I am, I cannot lay down. I am not a person who can contract while being anywhere on my back or laying down. I have to be up. I have to be like squatting <laughs> or leaning against something. So I did a lot of leaning on doorways, leaning um, over our sink in the bathroom. Um, we we used uh, some of the positions from Lisa's class where you would sit, sit facing up. away from me, but sitting on my lap facing away, I would use my knees to help open your legs. And then that way I could also give pressure to your lower back while opening your hips, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so Price, we... We just kind of, I, I liked the living room and I liked the bathroom. Um, those are my two places. I, I liked being with that, with that, uh, birth. Um, and I try, I think at one point I tried to eat a coconut popsicle <laughs> because they were like, you have to have something. Um, and then that evening is when, you know, I just really couldn't talk through contractions anymore. And I remember Laura putting me on the phone with Carol just so Carol could hear through one contraction. Um, and later they told me this, but they said it was really hard to call it when to call the midwife because I was managing my pain so well that they, they weren't sure. Like I didn't have the, like, I can't do this moment. Um, really that like some people, and I think visualizations so helped me. I, but you're, you're, we did, notice when the mucus plug came out and and yeah. um and that i think was was well okay well that happened so we should we should at least start talking about should we have the midwives come over yes um and so that's when she she did have her listen to me through a contraction and that's when they just decided that that carol would come over and at that point it was 11 p.m so carol got there at 11 p.m and that's when she determined that I was six centimeters and then she could easily stretch me to seven centimeters. And so we continued to just support. And like Michael said, you know, at that point we were, you know, had been laboring since 10, 20 that morning. But your water still hadn't broken. My water still hadn't broken. And I spent a lot of time in the shower and then I think at one point they just were like, you know what? I think if we break the water, we're going to get this, this to go. Is that okay for you? And I loved, I loved that Laura came in and said, you know, take a moment to talk about it. We're going to, you know, wasn't a, a, a demand. It was a, it was like, Hey, we think this might be great. How do you guys feel about that? And at that point I had so much trust in my team that if they were suggesting something to me, then I really believed it that was the best choice, but I love that we still got that choice and we had and took that moment to really make that decision. And I said, you know, yeah, at this point, let's break right. So we moved over, um, we moved into the bedroom and that's um, on the bed. Um, she did break my water and, and you then immediately went into transition. Yeah. So we went into transition <laughs> and then I, for the rest of the labor, I, I was in child's pose on our bed um, and I would just sink my head into the pillows 
Um, and I really like fell asleep in between these heart contractions. I just was like, I remember being so sweaty. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. We skipped oh. one of my favorite parts of oh. one of, one of my favorite <laughs> moments was, uh, going back to the, uh, um, affirmations. Uh, at one point, Nora was in a, in a contraction and she was shaking her head. And I was like, yes, baby. Yes, you can do this. Don't, don't. Yes. It's not, not, no. Yes. And, and only later was, was Nora able to tell me that, uh, she was so frustrated with me at that moment because she wasn't saying no. She was skiing down the mountain and that going side to side. And she was just skiing through the contraction. So that was my that visual. Was, yeah. For basically, I found that visual like pretty early into the labor of me skiing down a mountain. And I grew up in Montana and my dad taught me to ski when I was really little. And one of the things you do is you're on the chairlift. And right before you get off the chairlift, you say tips up. And then you get your tips up and then you just, you're ready to go. And so around like three, four, like contraction, like the, the, the pulsing of the contractions for me is when I'd be like, those were the hardest. And I just knew if I could get through three and four, I could just ski the rest of the way down. So I would say to myself in my head, tips up. And then if I could, and then I could just ski the rest of the way down. And I just opened up my hips and I would just like, go back and forth and back and forth. And I'd just be like, I'm skiing through these contractions. We're just, it's all downhill. Here we go. We can do this. Um, and so he thought I was saying, no, no, no. And I was, I wanted to be like, up you. Um, <laughs> I'm skiing. Um, but you were not verbal but I, at all. But I wasn't verbal. The first no. Part. no, I was, I was, I very much went into my little world and I, it's so interesting. I love this perspective of, how present you are with yourself, even though you have no way of communicating to anyone else around you verbally, maybe with your body. I think at one point, Michael ate something disgusting and he anything like, I ate. Anything anything I ate everything he ate was so gross. And all, all I could do was just shove his face <laughs> out of my face. <laughs> Be like, no, not the cherry cashews. <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought that was funny in reading your birth story, the daddy grabbed a handful of cashews, mommy pushed his face out of the way. Then later daddy tried to eat a protein bar, but it had cherries in it and mommy didn't like the smell of those. So she pushed daddy's face out of the way again. And I just thought that was so funny because normally you don't think, I don't think anyway of cashews or cherries being very odiferous. Right. (laughs) Not at all. I'm Um, glad you brought that up. (laughs) And so, um, Okay, now we can jump. Oh, ahead. So, so, so so we used all of those all of those techniques. Um, I actually we ended up using the shower head because of your birth story, Lisa. I remember you talking about being like watered down in a pattern of a Z. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, but yes, this Let's is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> this feels fantastic. Um, the one thing that I was really kind of like we thought our bathtub would be big enough for me to labor in the bathtub. And what I found is that I don't want to be laying down. I don't want to sit down. And so a traditional bathtub is not the place to be. If you want to be on your knees in the water. And looking back, we didn't even think to put down like an old yoga mat or something that would have helped a little bit, but. So my knees were like, there was a lot of, my knees really hurt because I was trying to, to be on them, but I couldn't really stick my knees down. And so I would, often just jump up when I had a contraction until, cause my, I, my knees couldn't handle it. Um, and I wanted to be up, um, which is kind of jumping for it a little foreshadowing into birth number two, 
why birth pool was so exciting. Oh, we'll um, get there. We'll get we'll there. Get there. Um, but uh, yeah, so we we ended up um, we I had been pushing in child's pose on our bed, and at one point Carol just said, "You know, Nora, I think if we flip you, I think if we flip over, and we have Laura hold one side, who is our doula, and Michael hold the other side, and you hold their hands. I think that's actually going to be." the best position for you. And sure enough, she's a let, let's, you know, in, in between contractions, we'll flip over. I did. I flipped, I grabbed and I pushed him, pushed price out on um, that last push. Uh, and I wasn't able to catch him because she wouldn't <laughs> let go of my hand. <laughs> and then, so one of the, one of those like stories that I've grown up about my birth was that I pooped all over my mom when I was born and my brother has held this like as like a weird thing, like, well, at least I didn't poop on mom. And so this has been like a story and a joke in our family. And sure enough, as soon as Christ comes out, he poops all over me. Like the black tar sticky. And I mean, he did, he waited, he waited to come out, but he, he pooped everywhere. And so we were like laughing so hard and he was like, then frog kicking so he was like frog kicking the poop everywhere. And Laura just kept being like, the poop. There's the poop, so, much poop. so much poop. So like this between like <laughs> the castor oil and me and Price and his pooping. Which, well, you didn't poop at all because all of your well, poop had been released. But we pooped during right. the birth. Yes. I'm oh, saying yeah. is yeah. that there but, was a lot of poop. Many women poop while they're pushing the baby out and you didn't have anything left. So <laughs> there was no the mommy castor oil. Yeah, so the baby made up for it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but then he, I mean, it was so amazing because then I just, he was right up on my chest and just laid there. And then we waited, um, we did delayed cord clamping. Well, um, well one of the after... things that Carol has always shared when she shares our birth story is oh. the fact that um, we had been singing Price these three songs uh, while he was in utero. Um, and uh, when he was born without, we didn't, we didn't plan on this, but um, when he, um, I think uh, Carol did two rescue breaths on him. He started to cry. She'd passed him to Nora. He was laying on her chest. Um, and we immediately just started to sing to him. Uh, the three songs that we had sang to him all through utero, um, and he immediately stopped crying. Um, of course, because kind of they know your voice. Yeah, so beautiful. And, it, and it's amazing that that's <sighs> that that first instinct was like, you know me. It's okay. You know these songs. Like we've been practicing this, um, but that we burst into song without any plan, and we still sing those songs to both of our kids every single night. Um, and they they sing along now too, and Price sings along to the song. So it's very oh. it's very cool. Um, but it was funny because he because I had been on my legs and my knees so much for fifteen hours of laboring. I as soon as he was born and after I I birthed the placenta, um, which was huge, which was huge, massive placenta. <laughs> yeah, the like placenta. Later on, our our midwives told us that they had without. They just did just did this without telling us. Um, there's a, a apparently a way that a, a midwife can check to see if you're having twins or not just by doing some some. And they the placenta was so large they actually at one point were like are they having two? We don't. We only hear one heartbeat, but let's double check. <laughs> but we only was, have one. It's fine. Yeah, it was like six pounds, right? 
He was, he was, eight, he was eight. Eight. no, I, no, I mean, I mean the placenta. Oh, the placenta. Yeah. 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 And usually they're like one or two pounds or so sometimes we, three. We, we did, um, placenta encapsulation and um, <laughs> you have it for the rest of your life. <laughs> I think I just stopped taking them at some point. Cause I was just like, uh, we, we have so many, but they were saying that like the amount that came is, was like double the second amount time, of pills. Second time as well. Second, second time as well. Yeah. Um, so who, who knows? Maybe it was all that vegan protein powder. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I had heard somewhere that some people keep the placenta, somehow preserve it for menopause or perimenopause. So we, Have you heard um, that? Yeah. So we actually did a tincture with uh, Finley's. And so, and that's what, because it's made with, with alcohol, you can keep it until menopause. So you know, I'll just keep it. Same with her. Like so many placenta pills, I sell placenta pills in, in the refrigerator at this point. I guess I could freeze them. Uh, <laughs> um, Maybe you're the one that told me that. You might have been the one that told me that, actually. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> so, so yeah, price, basically like that, that was kind of the most shocking part was how, how long it actually took me to recover after. It was really, really shaky. And, my, and, and they actually did give you a shot of Pitocin. They give close. a shot of Pitocin um, to help my uterus close down. And, um, I love, this is also, well, no, shrink down. down. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, but it was really sweet. And this is why I love Carol. And she was like, Tamara, I'm just going to need you to, uh, like sing to your uterus and, and just talk to it and like visualize it shrinking down as well. We're going to give you a shot of Pitocin just to make sure that happens as well. And, and the singing can distract you from the needle. Exactly. I didn't even feel it at that point. Well, I was and, so. And you had you had a, a, a minor you had a minor a minor tear. Um and and they did I think they gave you like one and a half stitches, what two maybe? One. I don't know. Um but you didn't even feel that at all. So Nora's knees were so shaky uh from having been on them for so long. Uh, so having been basically doing fifteen hours of squats. <laughs> um that you know, they wanted to clean the poop off of her, um, but her legs were so weak at that time that she needed a lot of help getting into the shower. She just needed a lot of help, and she was okay, and, and we knew that. But she did get uh, very pale afterward, um, partly from not eating anything for 15 hours, really. Um, uh, and so they, you know, I immediately got her some food. She ate some food. They got her up and uh, assisted her into the shower. Uh, and what was nice about that was I got to take Price uh, into the living room uh, and just kind of have some just one-on-one time with him uh, while they cleaned her up. And and, um, and it, this is like the magical part of having a home birth. I mean, there's so many magical parts, but one of my favorites that I maybe wasn't expecting was that once I felt good enough to just go take a shower after doing that, because it was so sweaty and my hair was messy, just to like be in the shower and have our, our, um, our birth assistant uh, Nicole, who is now a midwife, um, she was there just to make sure that if I needed help or if I, that I didn't fall down, um, that I was safe. You know, she she was there. And when I got back, the, our our birth team had already changed our sheets and everything was clean, so that we could just crawl into bed as a family of three and establish breastfeeding right away. And then, you know, after we established breastfeeding and we ate. Um, I really wanted a smoothie. So Laura went and made me uh, a peanut butter and banana protein smoothie um, with vanilla protein powder. It was so delicious. And we were eating 
uh, sweet potato chips, earth, and like we have all these pictures of sweet potato chips in our birth story. <laughs> it's like placenta and sweet potato chips. Um, but this is the glorious thing of having home birth, um, is you can just eat sweet potato chips while cutting the cord. Um, <laughs> but I love that once they, we established breastfeeding and we felt okay, they checked in with us and then we just got to go to sleep in our home. And then the Hi. next morning, Cher came in and checked on us. Um, and oh, I, one of my favorite things, I guess I was surprised after I kind of came to, and the first thing that I said when I was talking again, give me food. No, <laughs> was I could do that again because I I, again. I wanted everyone to you said know it like this. I could do that I again. Do that again. That uh, was the first thing I said after having a baby. Um, but I think because you don't know as a first time mom how you manage pain, how you know that you've overcome, you know these obstacles or these fears that you have rolling around in your brain, and then to just know the power that you have. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's one of my favorite things in the world. And I'm, and I truly say this, like I would give birth over and over and over again, if I didn't have to raise all the babies afterwards. <laughs> um, I love being, you know, I love being pregnant. I love having babies. Um, you do excel at it. But, but it's, it's incredibly powerful. And I think I'm, I feel really grateful that we were provided the information and the support so that I could feel that way. And, and I, you know, and I want, I hope our story inspires other people to look into all of their options. Um, because I want everyone to feel the way I felt after having a baby, <laughs> um, that empowerment. Um, and I, it, no matter how your birth story turns out. And I think if anyone, you know, going back to my dear friend who put us on this path, you know, I think it's about having the support around you so that you have decisions and that you feel like you're making those decisions no matter what happens in all of those. Wonderful. Well, would you like to share then about your second born story, little Finley, who's been with us today? Yes. So our little Finley, she, we, we have a joke and most people, when they find out that our children are born in the same week, <laughs> said you must have some timing. There must be a good time for you. Um, but apparently Third week of April. Third week of April is fantastic time to make babies with this family. Um, Spring is in the air and love yes. is in the air. <laughs> um, yeah, so Finley's uh, pregnancy is very different in that I was working eight shows a week off Broadway, and we also had a toddler, so that that changes things a lot. And so preparing for her birth also meant preparing her little brother to be a part of this birth story. And so we did a lot of watching birth videos with our toddler, um, of positive birth videos. He loves them. He thinks that babies being born is like the coolest thing. And sometimes he would like laugh with like so much joy when the baby was born. And so that's why when people are saying, I don't want to watch birth videos, I don't want to be freaked out. I think, you know, there's nothing freaky about it. It's, it's just how we view it in our culture. And watching positive birth videos is an amazing way to prepare and to help you visualize, you know, how positive birth can be. Um, part of all of your, uh, so yes. And price got to be an active part of all of our checkups. So he got to help measure my belly and he'd help pump up the, um, uh, my, 
take my uh, blood pressure. And the midwives were so amazing, you know, and when they would come over to our house, it's a wonderful thing about having another home birth is that you can say like, oh, the midwives, you know, who took care of you are coming to, to check on your baby sister. And so they gave us wonderful resources. Um, this time around, Laura wasn't available as our doula. And so we ended up getting a recommendation from the Astoria uh, Doula Collective. And she said, oh, I have this fantastic new girl. She is an amazing vegan cook and chef. And she is um, looking for her first home birth family. I think this is going to be amazing. And Chandley, it, this, we were her third birth, her first home birth. Um, so we helped, you know, in her certification. Um, and at this point, knowing that how much I loved birth the, the first time, I was very open to, sure, who, whoever wants to come, like, come join us. It's going to be a party. We live in a different apartment than we did our first time. And so um, we had more space in our living room. And so it was very important to me to have a birth pool um, and to have that set up and have that option because I knew I wanted to be in water so much with Price. And then it just hurt my knees so bad to be in that bathtub that I was really excited about having a comfortable option. So if you are doing a home birth, please don't go without whoever, options. Whoever designed options. this birth pool deserves an award because there's a, there's a couple, there are handles, there's reinforced seating. There's like, it was, it's, it's, it's like the, the, the throne of birth. It is like, it was so, it was, I was so impressed. It was so easy to set up. Um, I did a dry run uh, the week prior just to see, you know, the hose attachment to the shower, how, make sure you have a long enough hose. Like, I just wanted to make sure I, I could do all that, you know, do a little dry run. Um, and did you rent that through your midwives or how did you get the birth tub? Not yes. even rent it. They don't charge you to use it. They just have four in their rotation. So all we had to do was go, Had uh, you had to buy a liner for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. um, fine. Okay. I think it was like a nominal. It was, I don't know. I don't remember. It was nominal. Um, but we did have to go pick it up. That was like the biggest thing. We had to go pick it up from the, the most recent family that used it uh, with, our, with our midwives. Um, you know, they just asked that you clean it. Even even though there is a liner, they ask after you use it to obviously like disinfect it. Like sure, okay. Um, and then we were able to pass it on to uh, the next family afterward, which was really. And then we wonderful. just had to get a hose. Yeah. Um, which, the hose and the attachment. A hose. Oh, and actually, then the attachments came with it. And the attachments came with it, and then we ended up getting a sub pump um, to empty it uh, from another home birth family. Um, and then we, because we have no use for a sub pump. We actually donated that with the kit so that it could go on with the with the kit um, to the next families for for convenience. Um, and so we had our tub. Um, so Finley was due on February second, which is the day after Price's birthday. And so we we didn't. We were really hoping that that he didn't or she didn't come on his birthday and. Same thing, because we went so late with Price, I also then just kind of knew we were probably safe that she was also going to come late. Um, so she didn't come as late. She didn't make mommy wait as, as long. Um, but Finley, Finley did take her time as well uh, as Price did. I just, I guess I have a nice little warm <laughs> uterus. Nobody wants to leave. <laughs> um, 
and uh, or really soft, pillowy placentas or something. I don't know. Um, and so uh, this time around, because we had price, one of our biggest concerns of doing a home birth was just to make sure that someone was here to help and take care of him so that he could, you know, if he wasn't into it, if he needed to be taken out of the house, if it was a long labor, we had all of those options. And so, well, and sorry, I'm going to cut you off for a second. Um, one of the things that, uh, one of the ways that we knew Chanley was our doula was the moment she arrived, Price just went to her and just was at such ease with her and wanted to show her everything. And she was down to like get on the floor and like look at all of his transformers and she was just apps from the moment she got here uh her interaction with prices is, is one of the things that sealed the deal because when you do have a second and you are doing it at home you want to make sure that they are uh, i mean we already knew that he wasn't going to be freaked out by the birth because he, he he you know we had talked to him so much we read a bunch of books he had watched a bunch of it but we did want him to be surrounded by people that he knew and that he loved and that loved him. Um, and so that connection with Chanley was super important to us. That said, uh, I think what Nora was getting to was that we did ask where with Price's birth, it was just our birth team. Uh, for Finley's birth, we did ask my mother to come out and stay with us um, and be there kind of in case. And, and this was my fault. I didn't, uh, specify her role enough to her um but we wanted her out there in case we needed her to assist with price um and we didn't know what that meant we didn't know if he was gonna freak out you know uh, we didn't think he would but who knows mommy's goes into labor maybe he freaks out and needs to be taken out of the house i would rather you know at the time i i, I would have wanted my mom to you know be the one to take him to the park or um you know, if he just, you know, needed food and everyone else was busy for whatever reason, you know, we just wanted that extra reassurance. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't end up, uh, that, that ended up being the greatest source of stress this time around was, was having my mom in the house while we were preparing her not really knowing exactly what her role was because we didn't really know what it was going to be yet um if he wanted to be there and he was fine i i we were okay with him being there um and i think she felt kind of lost and like she didn't know what we needed from her uh when really we just needed her to just be just be there and be okay flexible. Not doing anything sorry mm -hmm. to be flexible maybe yeah exactly to adapt. But so what, and what I think happened was that because we had a toddler who was about to turn three, who was just turning three, he was also just going developmentally through a lot and then feeling all the changes that were happening with mommy having a baby. And so he would have, oh, there's this baby, he would have little outbursts that for us, we're, we're developmentally normal for a, for an almost three-year-old to have and say like, I don't want you here go away. I don't like you. Which at that point as his mom and dad, we knew that that's not real and that that's, that's just him expressing how he knows how to express, um, that things are changing. And, and so she took a lot of that very personally. And so just the, the mere fact that I was at home, she's not my mother. 
and having this kind of energy, it made it really tense and it was really hard. And so I think a lot of my kind of waiting to go in labor almost was that I was holding all this tension and I didn't feel safe and I couldn't be completely vulnerable in the space that I needed to be the most vulnerable to let my body open up and have this baby. And so one of my, I guess it was our last midwife appointment, things got really, really tense with my mother-in-law. And uh, in the meeting with our, our midwife, they were like, have you had any like emotional cries or maybe like me? maybe like, maybe you just need to cry or have like a big cry. Is there anything you want to cry about? <laughs> as I'm, as she's saying that I'm looking at my mother-in-law standing in the corner being judgmental, at least that's how it felt to me with her arms crossed for the entire time. And I was like, well, I could tell you what I could cry about right now, but I'm not, I can't say it right now. But I tell this part of the story because I then knew that I needed to have this baby at night. I knew Finley needed to come at night. And so I got to this point where I had hit my breaking point with my mother-in-law and that night while she was asleep and while Michael was asleep and while Price was asleep, I, I had a headache. I woke up with a headache. Um, and it was like, so I was February 7th and for whatever reason I got up and I was like, there's no use in just laying in bed and not being able to sleep. And I had, there was some leftover coffee. So I made myself a cup of coffee to get rid of my headache. And then I lit a candle. I put on my like favorite music and I went into, I put on my essential oils and I went into the bathroom and I sat in the bottom of my bathtub and I like started showering myself with our, with our shower hose. And I like really just talked to Finley and I was like, Hey little girl, like things are really intense. And I just know myself right now. And we thought grandma was going to be here to be helpful, but I just know for me right now with all of my emotions, all my hormones, I can't have her there. Like, I can't have her a part of this. I want your brother to be a part of this. I want your dad to be a part of this. But like, I think we're just going to have to do this at night. And I am not joking. Like, started to have some contractions after this little like meditation. I had a really good cry in the bathtub. I started contractions. Everyone was asleep. And so I like got too hot in the bathtub. So I came out. I put my candle and my music out here on the table in the front room. The birth pool was already set up. So it was inflated. It wasn't filled, but it was already. Do that. In, Do that. It was just inflated and ready, ready to, to go. go. <laughs> and I just sat on my, my big birthing ball. And I just remember leaning my head over and just like rocking back and forth. And at what point did you come in and get my phone? So I was like, you know, these contractions are more than just like Braxton Hicks. Like, I feel like maybe you're coming in. Maybe I should go get the little the little clocker on the app on Michael's phone. So I like snuck into the room and was like, I'm just gonna grab your phone. Don't just, worry, everything's don't worry. okay. Everything's fine. I'm just gonna start start tracking my contractions. So I like came out here and I like For another hour. For another hour and I just kept timing my contractions by, by myself. <laughs> for an hour. And because I think part of me didn't really so This is two hours we're two hours in now. And finally she comes in. After two hours and of I was being like, in labor. I think maybe. You're like, I don't know. Maybe should we uh, maybe look at this? Can consistent. you look at the contractions? Are they consistent? I was like, babe, you've been in four minutes for an hour. Yes, we have to call the midwives. <laughs> I did the same thing with my second. I let. I was like, no, I'm going to let my midwife sleep. I'm going to let my yeah. husband sleep. Like, no, yeah. it's, you know, it, there's no need to call anybody. I have plenty of I got time. This. <laughs> and so I, I like, he, he's like, no, I think we really should. I was like. Uh, like, 
no, I was like, no, 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 not yet. I was like, let me just lay down. Let me me try to lay down. Let me try to lay down and go to sleep because then, because that's often sometimes you're like, I just, I'm going to go to sleep and and I'll fall asleep and it's not real. So I like laid down and I (laughs) tried to lay down and a contraction hit and I like shot up and was like, nope. Cause I I was like, and in that moment I was like, I know I can't do contractions laying down. Like that's the real, I was like, yeah, we should, we should probably call our team. And so I just stayed in this corner of our room it's like by my side of the bed and it was like my corner like I like it was like leaning against the bed and for whatever reason that little corner is like a magical corner for like getting through contractions and so we called and um I immediately started filling up the tub yes um, uh, we then- texted our landlords who live downstairs just to let them know that like Hot water is probably not going to be available. <laughs> and they told us, they told us, you know, just let us know. We won't do any laundry. We won't do any uh, dishes. So they were actually the first people to know that Finley was on the way. Yeah. But this was like four in the morning, right? So they were unlikely yes. to need it. Um, yeah. Very unlikely yeah. to need it. But <laughs> we just wanted to let them know, like, just so you know. Um, kind of. But it was well, very exciting. We did, we did end up, sorry. Uh, we did end up using all the hot water. And, and just know these pools are large and you most likely will run out of your hot water. Um, and at that point, what was so amazing is our, our uh, birth team um, immediately switched over to heating water on the stove and then coming in. And this was one of Nora's favorite parts is, uh, you know, they'd say, OK, move, move to the edge. And Nora would shimmy over and then they would dump the new hot water, boiling water in. I don't know if it was actually boiling hot water in. Uh, and then they would stir it up. And she said it was like being in a stew and being mixed in with the stew. Um, but anyway, so. Our, so our we, called, came over. we we called, um, Cher was on call, which was very exciting because Carol, uh, Carol and Cher work as a team and Carol is the one that caught price. And I had said to, to Cher like three years before I was like, it's okay. The next baby will be yours. And so it was just so amazing that she's the one that answered the phone and we were like, Time. she's like okay great like she li- she lives in long island city too so it's not a very far drive she's like i'm just gonna hop in my car and come on over and um and then we called chanley and chanley also lives in astoria so she was like on her way over and then i had this moment where it came out while we were waiting for our team and i had i just kept not believing that this was really happening that we really were here again and i had this moment where like Michael and I just stopped and we started slow dancing in our living room. And I just remember bursting into tears and I was like, she's on her way. Like our baby girl's really coming. Like it's really happening. This is like, this is so exciting. This is so exciting. And so we, I was standing in the living room when, when uh, Cher got here and I was so excited. I was so hyper this time. I was so chatty. The last time I was like so quiet. And I think it's that cup of coffee that I had. And so I was like, oh my gosh, share blah, 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 blah. Like talking, talking, talking to her. And then really soon after she walked in and she said to me, you know, I called your birth assistant, wink, wink. And we had always talked about that through this whole pregnancy that if Carol was available as well, she would come as the birth assistant instead of calling the birth assistant on call. And so both Carol and Cher were here. Um, I got the dream had, team. I yes. know, it was so amazing. So then Carol arrived at the exact same time as Chandley, our doula, and they like came, walked in. We have like stairs up into our living room. They like all walked in. And I remember being so giddy that everyone was here and that we were having this baby and then having this moment of like, Oh, right. 
I need to go concentrate and go have some more contractions so we can have this baby. So like, remember like running back over to my little favorite spot and same and we thing. set up the living room. We, you know, put on the candles. We put, uh, Carol was doing her doctorate at the time and was uh, studying the effect of essential oils on delivery. And so we had certain oils that we had agreed to use to help her study. So we got that going. Like what kinds of oils? We used, uh, I really liked using wild orange. I loved that smell. And that was really just calming to me and, and made me feel positive. And then I did have a moment where I threw up with Finley and immediately, because I said that I liked peppermint as well, she immediately wrapped peppermint smell it to like refresh it, triple drops in the, the trash bag. And it was so amazing. It was just like, oh, oh that's so refreshing. Oh. Yes. But, but the, what was the one that they actually had me use when I was massaging? Oh, oh wild orange. Well, okay, that's yeah, what so, I was reacting to. So you really can, well you can not only use the wild orange in the diffuser, but also just topically on your hand and then just using it uh, as massage. So it was, we used that as a massage. There was lots of just good scents. And I, I made a playlist this time um, that was very calming folk music that I really just plugged into. And we just kept playing. I remember at one point asking for it to be turned up louder because it helps just keep me in my zone. And so at one point, because Price was here, he woke up and he wanted mommy to put him back to bed. And so I, I did have a moment where I was like, it's okay, I've got this. So I went into his bedroom and I remember in the middle of singing him, the song was down on all fours next to his bed, like rocking back and forth through a contraction while singing. And I'm watching this on the monitor. Baby monitor. And and actually our whole birth team watched this on the (laughs) monitor of like, yeah, she's having a contraction right now. She's, oh, wow. Look at her go. Amazing. That is remarkable. <laughs> and so that that's one of my favorite parts of that story. And then Price went through like all of the ranges of emotions when he was awake. He- so excited to like, like at one point banging on the birth pool, wanting it to be He gone. was like, no pool, no pool, don't like the pool and was hitting it. And so there was this, but I think it's funny moment that my mother-in-law had come out at, at some point t- towards the end of our birth to kind of like help with him. And she, she really was trying to manage him a, a lot. And it that her managing him and just like my current feelings or at that time towards her, one of my like sayings that has gotten me through all of my contractions is, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And I remember being like, it's okay, it's okay. Like he can be banging on the thing. He can be out here. Like it's okay. And I remember like, that's all I could say was that it's okay. Um, and I, I look at it and I think it's it's very funny now to me in my head that my mantra for, for myself became like a mantra for everyone else and for the toddlers and for the grandmas. And then at one point after laboring in the, in the tub in the living room, I spent most of the time like on my knees hanging over the side. But they didn't hurt this time because the birth pool was amazing in case I didn't say that. <laughs> You know, same thing again, Finley's water didn't break. And she was like, you know, I think maybe we should think about breaking your water again. Let's like, let's just get you out of the pool and, and see. And at some point in the pool towards the end, I went from managing through my contractions of like, it's okay, it's okay to hold, almost like holding my breath. And it was really quiet. All of a sudden it turned really quiet how I managed. And I realized that I, that's when I started pushing. 
And I just started, I started like pushing through my contractions without anybody really knowing that that's what I was doing and not really knowing that that's what was going on, but like that felt better to me. And it's because she had moved down. And so by the time we actually got out of the tub, sure. I was like, sure. over to me as Nora waddles into the bedroom and goes, you see that? There's a head in her vagina. <laughs> and so yes, I, there was. I waddled over to the bed and right before we got on the bed so to like to check me and just like just see where I was or to like maybe see if we needed to break the water. I was like, just a moment, let me get through this one more contraction. And of course everyone was like, of course. And as I was standing on the side of the bed through going through a contraction, I like felt this push. And then I was there like, Nora, did you did you just pee? Did your water just break? And I was like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I think maybe I peed. I don't, I'm not sure. But what we later determined, but it, it was, was her water break, but it was a high break. And so at that point, I was just like, so like she was coming and I just like slapped out once again, child's pose is like my favorite place to push. So I flopped over my big pillows on our bed and I, I mean, it really was like two more pushes. And I remember um, Cher just being like, not too fast. Like, take your time. And she asked, you, she asked you to, to she asked raise me, up about three inches. And she was like, could you raise up a little, just a little bit? And <clears> then give her head time. they asked me if I could, they said, Nora, do you feel that? And I was like, what? And they're like, that's your baby's head. And Reach all of a sudden I was like, what? We've already got a head? Like, it shocked me so much. Like, I was preparing because I remember how long with Price, it was 45 minutes about pushing. And so I was ready to like, okay, I'm gearing up. This is going to be some pushing for a while. I'm going to like, and I was like, what do you mean there's a head? And all of a sudden I had this feeling of like, oh my gosh, like okay. I remember that feeling that, that what they call the ring of fire is like, but I was like that sensation. It was like, surprise, we're here. And then like, I, without knowing I did this, immediately reached down to touch her head. And I, looking back at the pictures, I was said, whose hand is that? And they're like, that's your I, hand. And I said, oh my gosh, I don't even remember, but like having that instinct as a, like to want to be like, oh, she's coming, that's her head. Um, and so then we just like breathed her out. Really, it was true. It's just like easily breathing her out. That's right, that's you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I she got the catcher this time. Right. And daddy my hand this time, so he got to be there. <laughs> um, and so she still had the little sack yeah, she's um, going in the call. She's and I kind of it was so amazing. Her head came somewhat. out. Somewhat. <laughs> she had a veil. She it's a, a high yeah, break. So she wasn't break. truly in call, right. but she had a little a little, a little veil. Hood. A little well, hood. So her head came out and there was this milky white film over it. And I was like, and and um Cher said, you know, just peel that back. And so like I, I basically like peeled that off and there was her head and then uh Cher helped me like do the little the little twist and shoulder poop and she just came right out and and then because I couldn't see because I was faced the other way she couldn't come immediately to my chest and so all I hear because I can just hear what's going on I can't actually see what's going on behind me I hear two cords and I thought can you have two can a baby have two umbilical cords and then I'm like did I have twins? Like, what is going on? And what she meant is that Finley had wiggled herself around enough and she had such a long um, umbilical cord that she'd actually wrapped, the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck twice. Um, and so she was, we call her a very magical little being because well, she was had a hood and her cord around her neck twice. 
It is very common for those of you who are listening that might think, oh my God, how could you? Um, it's, uh, it's very common for the cord to be wrapped around the baby's neck once. And as long as there is enough cord um, and it, it doesn't send the baby into distress, not an issue. It's very rare to have it wrapped around twice. Um, and so that was and, why. Yeah. And then for the baby to have enough slack to be able to descend through the pelvis. So it must have been a, a fairly long cord. <laughs> well, and we know it's very long because I'm jumping ahead, but with both of our children, uh, we've had their umbilical cords uh, dried into the shape of a heart, uh, which is a very beautiful thing that you can have uh, someone do for generally. Uh, well, the two people who did our encapsulation uh, were able to do that for us. Oh, I'd love to get yeah. the maybe the contact information for who you worked with, and then I can include that in the show notes. Sure. Uh, our doula, Laura, did it the first time. Um, and then we used, do you remember the name of the woman? We, uh, we can go oh, check I, will, the, I will look it up. I know yeah. she's not doing encapsulation right now, so... Okay. Anymore. Well, I can put some other resources of people I know who do it. Yeah. But what was what's so amazing is when she when she showed up to give us uh, Finley's uh, umbilical cord, uh, she said normally the hearts are only about this big, about you know. It's two, a tiny, a small, a small box, like a small very box. small box. Finley's is a good. It's like eight twice inches. the size of that box. <laughs> so like long. there's no way it could fit <laughs> in there. Heart it's adorable. Um. But yeah, we were very grateful that she had that long of a cord and that, you know, it being wrapped around her neck. And similarly, no to this must also be a theme in our family, just to wrap up this, the end of this story, is Finley also decided to poop everywhere as soon as she was born. So we once again had poop everywhere and we needed to clean both mommy and baby up. It's the family tradition. Yes. So... Neither legacy. of my can hold this against each other. Um, they can both be like, we both pooped on our mom. It's the thing that our family does, apparently. Um, but it was it was so amazing then to have, um, for those of you who are wondering, like, where was Price and all this, he was actually watching Octonauts and eating a granola bar when, when Baby was coming out. But it was perfect because then as soon as she was out, and as soon as they, I was able to flip back over and hold her, he Grandma, immediately Grandma was there. Grandma brought him in, and we got to just be our little family of four right there. And that felt so cool just to, to like, have him right there um, and see his baby sister. And, of course, he was, like, so excited because we had been talking about this forever. And... Um, Oh, the, the last thing. Uh, so we did delayed cord clamping with both kids and I did get to cut the cord for both kids, which was really important to me and something I really wanted to do. And uh, there was no issue when we cut the cord for price. Um, and so I wasn't thinking of anything when I went to cut the cord for, for Finley. Um, and it was straight out of like a horror film. It was so funny. <laughs> I, I The first little snip, um, this can happen sometimes. <laughs> We both got sprayed with blood, um, and, which is not not normal. Um, uh, Especially because we had waited for the, there the, to be no more pulse. Yeah. So I think that's um, the more shocking surprise. But it, it made us both laugh. But yeah, so that, I mean, we and had start two, to finish five hours. Five hours. Uh, you did two hours on your own. You were in the tub for about two hours and then last hour in bed pushing and and not even that not I even mean, that yeah mm -hmm. so um 
Well, I know we're running out of time, but do you guys have, either of you have anything that you wanted to share that you haven't gotten to share? You know, Nora and I spent so much time talking to each other and our team, but first, first talking to each other about what we wanted our birth to be like. These were focused conversations. We had checklists, but it wasn't, oh, we'll pack, you know, uh, we'll, we'll pack an extra set of clothes and, you know, uh, but they, you know, we want, we want this team. We want the pool. We want the pool set up here. You know, we want the essential oils. We want these oils to be ready to go. You know, um, we want these foods ready to go so that, you know, right afterwards she could have her sweet potato chips, you know, just. Well, and I think what I like to impart now to people when they're, they're looking at all their options is to educate yourself as much as possible so that you have the best tools, whether you use them or not. And being, having the freedom then to like, let it all go and, and be present with your partner and to just trust the team that you have built, trust the knowledge that is in which it within you and that you have, you know, there and using those resources. I think that's the best thing. The more tools that you have, the better, because you don't know what is going to happen. And I love what you say, Lisa, is like, there's a wide range of normal and you have no idea where you're going to fall in that, that range. And so I just think, you know, think of all the prep that you do for school or for a test. This is the same. There's no different. And I think there's so many people who approach it as like less, less is more like I, I would, I don't want to know all the details because it's, but because it scares me. And I said, but wouldn't you want to arm yourself with all of the knowledge that you, you can just to, to demystify it so that it's not scary. Um, so that you can have, you know, the best version of birth for you. And I think that's important is that birth is going to be different for everyone. We know home birth is not the choice for everybody, but it's the place that, oh, it's the place that we felt the most comfortable and the place that we felt the safest. And, you know, I just really encourage people to to look at all their options. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much, you guys. This has been such a delight. And happy birthday, early birthday to Philly. Happy birthday tomorrow to Price. It's very exciting. We celebrate their little lives. We celebrate your birth as parents. Thank you. Thank you so So, much. So the rest of my family will see you tomorrow. And I hope to see you guys soon. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's birth stories just as much as I did. Just a couple of things I wanted to comment on before we wrap up the final episode of season one. Do you remember how Nora had a highly sensitive sense of smell during labor? It's very common for our sense of smell to be even more sensitive in labor than in pregnancy. And that's saying something for a lot of us. So just be mindful to avoid putting any scented lotions or oils directly on the laboring person's skin, particularly up near their face. You want to be able to remove the scent. 
Partners, also think carefully about what food you'll have on hand for yourself. Ideally, it shouldn't be anything too odiferous that might offend the person in labor, though sometimes these things are unpredictable like the offensive cashew and cherry scent for Nora was. Our connection got spotty for a bit when Nora was explaining what essential oils were helpful for her, so I just wanted to clarify that she was talking about how smelling peppermint oil helped quell her nausea when she felt like she was about to throw up. I teach a bit more on essential oils in episode 36. One thing I recommend considering as you prepare for labor is to consider if it might help you to visualize the arc of contractions in some specific way, like Nora did with the ski lift imagery. Would it be helpful for your labor support partner to help you with this through verbal guidance? If so, what kind of imagery or words do you think might be helpful? Some people like to be told you're halfway through and on the downward slope at the midpoint of a contraction, while others find different wording helpful. Some of us respond well to telling ourselves or to hearing the encouragement from someone else, you can do anything for 60 seconds or however long a contraction's lasting. Just some things to think about and perhaps explore with your labor support. You guys, I cannot believe this is the end of the first season for the Birth Matters podcast. What a wild ride it's been, and I can't wait to both have a break, but also to start prepping content for our second season. I hope that you'll use the summer to not only get some fresh air and sun, as I and my family hope to, in as safe a way as possible, of course, but also to catch up on any episodes you haven't heard yet and to share the podcast with a friend. For now, I want to say it means the world to me that you listen to this podcast. I believe in you, your innate ability to birth your baby, as well as to be a wise, loving, and compassionate parent. Now, please hold up a virtual mocktail glass so I can salute and toast you. Cheers to you in this journey you're on. We'll see you again before long. Until then, be well and remember, you got this. (laughs) 